Today's read, Midnight, a gangster love story by Sister Soldier, Chapter 19, Catching Feelings. Later, I was sitting at the top of the staircase at Pratt, uninvited, wanting to see Akimi even if it would only be for a moment. I knew I wouldn't see her Friday after work because of the league. I knew I wouldn't see her Saturday because of agreeing to meet Amir, Chris, Redbone, and them. It had already been two weeks since me and Akimi enjoyed going out together. I wondered if she was missing me like I was missing her. She showed up, climbing the cement stairs slowly, wearing jeans, dark brown leather Nikes, and a tapered dark brown windbreaker with a matching bandana pulled tightly across her forehead like a gorgeous Cherokee squaw showcasing her dark eyes. She had two long brown leather tubular cases strapped and crisscrossed on her back. On closer inspection, I could see from the red and green stripes on her leather cases that they were designed by Gucci. She looked like she was headed to an archery expedition, her bow and arrows strapped behind her. I realized that she was carrying her artwork inside the leather tubes. As I watched her, she seemed trapped somewhere in her own thoughts. In that short space of time, I wondered what she was thinking. I wondered how it was going with her aunt and uncle. When she looked up and realized it was me waiting there, her smile lit up so bright it cut through the evening dusk. She locked her eyes into mine. No translation needed. I stood and held my hand out to assist her up the last step. She never let it go. We walked hand in hand like that toward her class. I didn't know what my next move would be. I had suspended my thoughts and was moving only on feelings, something completely new for me. Down the hall from her class, I pulled out a piece of paper and wrote out my telephone number, then handed it to her. Arigato. She ripped the paper in half and wrote her telephone number on her half, then handed it to me. I felt foolish, standing there with no words, in the middle of a storm of energy moving back and forth between us. When more and more students brushed by, I placed my hands on her shoulders and spun her around in the direction of her classroom. She spun back around to face me and threw up the call me sign using her two fingers, the pinky and the thumb. Hi, I said agreeing. We both laughed a little, then we both turned to leave at the same time. It was even crazier when she called me late that same night. I picked up the telephone in my room. Instantly, I recognized the rhythm of her breathing and her seductive silence. She didn't say anything, so I didn't either. She started to breathe a little harder, then laughed lightly. Then I laughed too. After all, what did I expect by giving her my telephone number? Even when she called, we didn't have a common language to speak. Please, was all she said. Then click. She hung up.
called her back. Her telephone line was busy. I hung up. Four minutes later, my telephone rang again. It was her Japanese cousin with her American accent. Akimi asked me to call you for her, she said, speaking in a low tone like she didn't want anyone on her end to overhear her. I'm sorry, I know it's late, but Akimi has no sense of time. She'll stay up all night drawing and painting and forgetting about how us normal people live, she said, sounding a little embarrassed. It's alright. Most of the time, I'm up late too, I told her. She took a deep breath. So, I guess the two of you have become friends, she stated. I don't know why I didn't like her way of choosing her words. Friends is all I answered back. Okay, good. Well, anyway, Akimi wanted me to tell you that she won't be working at Uncle's store this weekend. She has to finish up her midterm art projects. She wants to know if you and she can meet up instead on the following week on Wednesday at 2 p.m. She didn't wait for my response. She started talking real fast and answering her own questions. I told Akimi that you probably couldn't meet her then because you'll be at school on Wednesday at 2 p.m., right? She asked and suggested at the same time. Tell Akimi Wednesday at 2 is cool. I'll pick her up at your uncle's store. Um, wait a minute. Uh, no. Meet her at the bakery like the last time you saw her, she said, assuming that the last time at the bakery was the last time I had seen Akimi. I could tell now that Akimi didn't tell her cousin everything. Wednesday at 2 at the bakery. All right. Oh, so you're on spring break next week too? Her cousin asked, still digging. I didn't know if New York public schools are closed, but Akimi's college is closed and New Jersey public schools are closed too. She waited for me to tell her my business. I flipped it around on her and began questioning her instead. I thought you said that Akimi is 16, a high school student like you, like us, I asked. She is 16. She attends the art college on a scholarship. Monday through Thursday in the evenings and helps out on an uncle at their store on the weekends. She won a nationwide art competition in Japan. One year at an American art college was the top prize. That's why she's here in the U.S. It's her first time, you know. It's a very demanding program. Akimi really doesn't have a lot of free time, the cousin continued to meddle. You have an American accent. I told the cousin to hear her reaction. Yes, thank you for the compliment, she answered like I figured she would. Why don't you teach Akimi how to speak English? I asked, putting the pressure back on her. Akimi does whatever she wants to. Maybe now that the two of you are friends, she'll learn to speak English, the cousin answered strangely and defensively. Listen, back home in Japan, we are all required to learn English in school, but not Akimi. Her and her father make all of their own rules. Akimi speaks Japanese, Korean, Chinese, and Thai. That's it. 
no English. She laughed as though speaking four major languages was nothing if English wasn't one of them. She sounded like Uma's father. Northern grandfather used to say, English is the language of money. No English, no money. The cousin continued talking, seeming to enjoy the attention being switched to her. My family moved from Japan to the States when I was six years old. My parents and my brothers, we are all fluent, everyone except my mother's mother. She refuses to learn English too, the cousin said, looking down on her grandmother's choice. So Akimi's mother and your mother are sisters? I asked her. No, Akimi's mother is dead. She was North Korean. Akimi's father and my father and uncle at the store are all brothers. Uncle just came to the U.S. two years ago. Akimi's father has never been to the U.S. He is big, big business in Japan. Way too busy, she said proudly. She had breezed by the statement, Akimi's mother is dead, just like the Americans breezed by heavy and serious and sacred topics with an ease I was unfamiliar with and could not understand as a Sudanese. As the cousin continued to speak, I was stuck back there. It must be terrible to be motherless, I thought. It must be a loneliness that no one but a motherless child could understand, really. My world without Uma would be a world without sunlight or heat, without moonlight or music, without reason or love. It would be a cold place with no seasons, filled with complete darkness, no stars and no nothing. A strange sensation flashed over me. It felt like I had blacked out for a minute. He never remarried, Akimi's father. He is elder brother and Akimi is his only child, she was saying when I came back to listening to her. Only child, I thought. No mother, brothers or sisters. More loneliness. Okay, Wednesday at two at the bakery, I said, abruptly cutting her off. Oh, she said, okay, like her feelings were hurt. Thank you for calling me for Akimi, I said, hanging up.